0: The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus
1: Entertainment. This is the Employment Law Show. And good to have you along here, John Skulls, along with my good pal Andrew Goldberg. Sam to To and LLP represent... And he's all over this tonight for the next half hour, taking your phone calls, your questions, and answering them. It is just that simple. Henders ready to go. You want to email help at employmentlawyer.ca, and for any other matters outside the half hour of the show, you can always roll over to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You'll uh, you'll stumble upon the severance calculator, which is a great tool. Over 2 million Canadians have put that to good use and figured out what their severance really should be. So we'll get into that here in just a bit. But we're going to get into how to properly calculate severance pay. There you go. That's going to be the topic over the next half hour and some emails too. But you always start us off with a a little taste of what's going on in your side, Andrew. What's happening, pal? Hey, John.
0: Uh, So obviously today, big news of RBC purchasing the Canadian Mm. arm of HSBC. And you know this is the purportedly the largest acquisition of one Canadian bank of another. So it's, it's going to have, you know, drastic implications. But what I wanted to talk about today from more of an employment law side is, well, what happens if you work for a company that's purchased by another company, right? Right. And this, com- this comes up all the time. And so, you know, I just wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit tonight. And the first thing that I'll go through is, you know, if you're an employee with HSBC and you lose your job as part of this acquisition – Well, who owes you severance? Is it HSBC or is it Royal Bank for uh, the purchaser? And the answer is HSBC would owe you severance if you lost your job as part of that acquisition, right? So that's the first thing to know. Usually the seller is going to be on the hook for the termination obligations if you're not continued to be employed with the, the purchaser. And then, you know, another big question people always have is, well, I was offered a new job with the purchaser. So in this case, if you work for HSBC and you're offered a job from RBC, what if I don't want to take that job? Do I still have severance entitlement, right? And the answer to that is, like a lot of things, is it depends. And (laughs) so, for instance, if you have a really good reason not to accept it, so let's say RBC says, you know, we'll take you on, but we're cutting your hours or we're changing your hours fundamentally, or we're changing your pay and cutting your pay, then if you decline in that scenario, you certainly could get your full severance entitlement just because of that fundamental change, of course, right? Um, but interestingly enough as well, even if you don't really have a good reason to continue with RBC, if they're changing, if they, you know, everything stays the same and your job is exactly the same and all the terms are the same, then even without a good reason, you could decline to continue with RBC, but you wouldn't get your full severance. You would only get your minimum entitlements, which would be significantly less. So hopefully that would help, you know, listeners out there who are, you know, either involved in a specific acquisition or maybe another acquisition and, and just want to know what your rights are. And then very briefly before I leave you off, important thing to know is that look, if RBC gives you an employment agreement as the purchaser, you want to have that agreement reviewed because that could certainly include very detrimental things that attempt to negate your past service or limit your severance entitlements or give them the right to make significant changes. And you want to have that reviewed by an employment lawyer, certainly, if that is something that is presented to you.
1: And uh, to do that, by the way, I'll give you this number again throughout the show, 1-855-821-5900. Okay, how to properly calculate severance pay. Here we go. Age is the first one. Give me some details on that, pal.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I would love, love to just run through some different factors, and that's what you know we'll do throughout the duration of the show. And as mm-hmm. you mentioned, age is the first one. And you know, the older you are, the higher your severance entitlements typically are. So if you're in your 60s and you're let go, and all else being equal, your severance entitlements are likely higher than if you're in your 30s, right? And the reason for that, obviously, is it's much more difficult to secure new work at the age of 60 than it is at 30, and, you know, our legal system accounts for that by factoring in a higher severance entitlement for older workers. Now, that doesn't mean younger people shouldn't pursue a severance. Absolutely, you should. You could still have significant entitlements, but all it means is that the older you are, you could get a bit of an enhancement compared to the younger you are.
1: That is the first point we're going to talk about here. There's many more to go. In fact, uh, lengths of employment. These are all factors, by the way. You could take a bit of a shortcut sometimes and go to severance pay calculator at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, but to get into the minutia of it, always call Andrew and his team. But having said that length of employment, give me some uh, details on that one as well, pal.
0: Right. And before we get into that, I think that's a good point. I mean, our severance pay calculator is certainly designed to give you a you know a rough guideline of, you know, if you're at and our calculator says $80,000, you know you should call us (laughs) and do something about it, right? But that being said, for us to really give a particular specific assessment, it's always better to get a consultation, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Now, with respect to length of employment, once again, the longer you're employed somewhere, generally the higher your severance entitlement will be as well. If you're somewhere for 20 years, you're almost certainly going to be owed more money than if you're somewhere for 10 years and the um, so length of employment is probably one of the biggest factors that we'd look at in terms of assessing your severance entitlement.
1: Moving on to the next one, pal, let's get to this position. What do you mean by that? And how does that factor into it?
0: Well, when we get the position, we're talking, we're talking about, you know, what role did you have when you were terminated? Right? So if the more kind of generalized your, your role is, your entitlements aren't necessarily going to be as high as they would be if you're in a highly specialized or managerial role, right? Because the more specialized and the more senior the role is, the less uh, comparable opportunities will exist out there for you to pursue. So, generally speaking as well, if you have a more senior and specialized role, you will have a greater severance entitlement than those that have more of a frontline position, Again, all else being equal. And, and one other quick point I want to just jump back to for a second. I, I kind of skipped over it, but I think it's very important. When we talk about length of employment as a factor, yes, generally more, um, the longer service people will get more severance than shorter service people. But if you're an extremely short service person, like if you've only had six months to a year, a year and a half of service, sometimes you get a disproportionately high severance entitlement. So you've only worked right. somewhere for one year, you could get three- or 4 months severance. And that's because when you look at someone's resume, obviously when there's a bit of a, you know, a shorter stint, it leads to kind of more questions of, you know, why was this person here such a short period? And because of that, you know, it's recognized that, okay, for these short-service people, they still should get, like, some pretty significant entitlement. So don't think just because you were somewhere for six months or a year that you shouldn't pursue, you know, an enhanced severance package if you're not happy with what's been offered.
1: And with that, we are going to take one small break into the rest of this, breaking down what uh, goes into making severance in a proper severance package. And then we'll slide into some emails. We'll continue of the uh, employment law show. Stand by. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or
0: otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. You're listening to the Employment Law Show.
1: You bet. Welcome back. And here's what we were talking about: how to properly calculate severance. We talked about age. We talked about length of employment, position, and available of uh, availability of uh, comparable employment. That kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're working in you know a warehouse job or you know the service industry of food or something like that, as opposed to being like a high-ranking CEO or maybe in telecommunications, you know, a morning show host or something. There's there's fewer opportunities, therefore your severance. Period should be longer and more robust. Correct.
0: Yeah, that's that's entirely correct. So if you're looking at the job specifically, the more niche and specialized the job is, mm-hmm. and the less opportunity is out there, certainly. But that could also apply from an industry level, right? So right. let's think about you know, imagine you were a chef at the onset of the pandemic, right? Or, or, or a cook. There's a lot of cooking opportunities out there, but. Certainly not at the beginning of the pandemic, right, when restaurants were closed down and and there weren't other opportunities available for you, right? And the same thing kind of applies as well right now in the tech industry. You could be in the tech industry and not have necessarily the most specialized role in and of itself, but your role is specific to the tech industry. And as a result of declining opportunities, you could make the argument that that should, you know, Lead to a higher severance entitlement because your industry is taking a hit, and it's just going to be hard for you out there to get new work.
1: Makes total sense, man. Moving on to the next one is a recruitment from another company. Something you alluded to, but uh, give me some more details of that.
0: Right. So what happens at times is, is I come across individuals, and, and it's very common at our firm that you know they had a great job, they've been somewhere seven, eight, nine years, and lo and behold, they get an opportunity to, for a new employment with a new employer. And, you know, they weren't looking for a new job. They were happy where they were. Everything was great, but here comes this new employer and they say, we really want you to work here. What's it going to take to get you to work here? And you say, "Ah, I'm pretty happy. and not that interested. Thanks for the, you know, the overture, but they're persistent and they recruit you and they offer you more money and they wine and dine you and all this kind of stuff. And so you say, okay, fine, okay, you know, this is too good of an opportunity, I wasn't really looking for it, but you've put on, uh, you've really um, uh, tried to, you know, entice me to come here, so I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, four months later, you're let go from that new job, right? And in those situations, our court system will recognize your past years of service with that old employer that you had 10 years with, because Hmm. it's kind of an unfair situation that you are essentially enticed to leave a long-term job only to be fired from this new job, you know, four months into it. So as a result, you're not going to necessarily be treated as someone with four months of service when you're let go. Those 10 years with the old employer will be taken into account and you'll have a higher severance entitlement more often than not as a result of that recruitment effort.
1: Moving on to more of these uh, talking points. Again, we uh, invite you to call the show with any uh, comments or questions you have. Andrew's here for the remainder of this, uh, this hour to answer them. Finally, huge one, health issue, medical leave, talking accommodation or fired while you're pregnant. Hello? Right. I mean,
0: this, this is kind of more of a spe- uh, you know, a specific situation where, you know, I'll start with being fired while pregnant. And, and you know, if you're in the middle of a pregnancy leave, and you're let go from your job and you had nine months left in your pregnancy leave, you know, that's going to be taken into account, regardless of the fact that you might only have one or two years of service. If you're unable to get new work because you're on this leave and you're taking care for a newborn child, um, that will help you know justify a higher severance entitlement and will lead us to be able to obtain for you a better severance entitlement, despite the fact that you might be young, you know, a young woman with one year of service who's just had a baby, you still could have very, very significant entitlement. And if we look at someone with health issues, you know, again, if someone's on a medical leave at the time they're let go um, and there's, you know, six months left and is scheduled to be left in the medical leave, then you're ostensibly not going to be able to look for work or start new work for that six-month period. That also is going to lead to an increased severance entitlement, as would the case where, you know, imagine you have significant health issues, you're not on a medical leave, but you require tons of accommodation in terms of, you know, what you're able to do or not do in your role. Typically, your role requires you to, you know, do heavy lifting and to be on your feet all day, but as a result of the health issue, you know, you have to be sitting or lying down a significant part of the day. You can't lift more than a certain amount. It's going to be much harder for you to find new work with those limitations that, too, could justify... A higher severance period right so these are all very important things to keep in mind and I also would you know point out the fact that if you're let go in any of these circumstances whether you're pregnant or have health issues it also could be a form of discrimination obviously if, if that at all factored into the termination if because you were pregnant or because you had health issues was the reason for your termination not only would that lead to a higher severance entitlement, but you could get human rights damages as well, even above and beyond your severance entitlement, which was, you know, significantly important and could lead to a higher amount of money in your pocket.
1: A few emails coming through. Kevin's up first says, "Hey guys, I was recently fired from a job in the tech industry, along with about five percent of my colleagues. When I asked about why my severance was so low, my boss said our severance were reduced by." Uh, because of the decline in the company's business. I know we aren't doing as well as we did during the pandemic, but should this impact my severance?
0: Well, that's an excellent question. And the answer to that is very clearly no, right? So yeah. if you're let go as part of a, you know, a mass layoff in, in a certain industry or for, because you just work for a certain company, just because that company is not doing as well as they did, that has nothing to do with your severance entitlement. Your severance entitlement is based solely on your personal situation and, you know, your the factors that we talked about earlier, your age, your length of service, the position you had, the other jobs that were out there. The company is not going to be able to say, well, we're also not doing so well, so we want to pay this person less. It's just not how it works and it by no means does that justify a lower severance offer. So if you're someone like Kevin, then you certainly want to give us a call to, you know, try to increase your severance package for sure. We definitely would help with something like that.
1: Saul writes "Cindy he says, uh, guys, I work as a payroll clerk and I have to work extra hours to get the job done. Uh, But my employer insists that I should get the job done on time and he won't pay overtime. Can I get overtime? And can the employer say that I just wasn't efficient enough with my time? Nice try.
0: (laughs) Yeah, nice try for sure. I mean, if that were the case, all employers would probably allege that uh, to try to get out of payment. But no, the reality is, if you're Cindy and you're putting in extra hours, and um, you're you know you're working those extra hours, then you should be paid those hours. And if you're working more than forty four hours in a week, you should be getting one and a half times overtime pay on top of that. And if your boss doesn't think you're efficient, your the boss could fire Cindy and pay her a severance. But but absolutely yeah. not. Uh, you know, avoid paying her for the extra hours that she's working. That's just not going to fly.
1: Uh, we got Sean up next. Sean says, uh, hey, Andrew, my severance letter says that if I find another job, the employer will stop paying me severance and give me half of what is owed. Is that legal? Is that how it's done?
0: As part of a severance agreement, I assume. It, it's, it depends. It, it could be something that's allowed as part of the agreement. Um, there's a minimum amount that Sean should get no matter what. And so it's important that that's flushed out. But if that's a term that uh, an employer is putting in agreement that's let you go, you should have far higher expectations of how much you're going to receive than if they gave you a lump sum, let's just say, right? So if that's something that's in there, it's not necessarily unlawful. It could be, depending on if they try to avoid paying at least a minimum amount. But I would highly recommend that someone like Sean in that circumstance give us a call so we can review the uh, severance agreement further.
1: Sean, thanks, buddy. By the way, this email anytime, not just during the show, but if you want to reach out to Andrew and his team afterwards, you can always send one long help at employmentlawyer.ca. Barry is coming up. He says, guys, I received notice of termination. But this was extended three times before I was finally let go. Is it appropriate for the employer to extend notice determination like that?
0: Right. So it's, it's something that we come across all the time where an employer extends the notice. And, it, you know, by all means, if the employer does that, fine, they can do that. But what's important here is sometimes the employer tries to rely on that notice as part of your severance entitlement, right? They said, you know, we'll give you two months notice and then six months pay, so after, so that's a total of eight months. But if right. they keep extending the notice, then the employer cannot rely on that notice anymore as part of the severance. It's almost as if once it's you know Barry's last day, regardless of how much notice he was provided, because they kept extending it, none of that counts as towards his entitlement. So the company can't get credit for that. He still will be owed his full amount of pay afterward.
1: Good, Jay. What's up? What's your question?
0: Uh, so, I'm a heavy equipment operator, construction, and uh, because we work outside, we're pretty much seasonal. And so, every year, we're laid off. And I was just curious as if I am entitled to a, a severance in that scenario. Right. So, the, so, that's an excellent question. And the answer would be if that's something that's, you know, I assume that that's happened for several years now. Is that correct? Yeah. Every year, they do it. Right. So because that's happened year after year and that's an expectation as part of your job, you would not get severance in that circumstance, right? So if every winter you're let go on a layoff and you come back, you know, in the spring, then no, you're not owed severance every year, right? But let's say, for example, one winter you're laid off and you're not recalled in the spring like you normally are and they don't have work for you for the first time ever. In that case, that, could justify a severance entitlement. But as long as it's kind of the same seasonal layoff that always happens, then the answer yeah. likely is no, you wouldn't get a severance. And then, so, uh, would I be entitled to just, uh, the single year of, uh, severance because of that? Or would it be like however long I've worked there just because of the gaps in the middle? You know what I mean? Right. And that's an excellent question. It would be based on your whole service there, not every year. So because you're not owed severance, right? Year after year after year, they can't say that you're a new employee every year. They have to account for all of your your years, and if you are to be let go at some point. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. That's uh, you, and helped me out a lot there
1: thanks Joel that's the uh, the entire point of that quick phone call and you want to reach out afterwards. you can always do that pal and here's how you get a hold of Andrew that would be one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred I think we have time to get Miriam in here Miriam says, hey Andrew my boss treats me very badly and is always rude he's now reduced my days of work from five days a week to three days a week is there something I can do
0: right so Absolutely, there's something she can do, and that is to, you know, allege what's called a constructive dismissal, right? So, Mm -hmm. and that would happen for two reasons. One, if you're mistreated in the workplace and harassed and subject to abusive behavior, then you don't have to accept that. That's not the kind of treatment anyone needs to accept. Secondly, if you used to work five days a week and you're getting cut down to three days a week, so it's essentially a 40% cut of your pay and hours, You also don't need to accept that, and as a result, you can say, I don't accept those changes, that's not what we agree to, I've always worked five days a week, I'm treating my employment as coming to an end, and you can therefore pursue your severance in the same way that you're just fired in the normal course. But there's one important thing for, I think you said her name was Miriam, to remember, is that um, if she accepts the change from five days to three days and starts working three days for the next couple weeks or month or two months or what have you, then it's going to be an extreme challenge for her to go back later and make the claim for constructive dismissal. It's something you want to do at the time of the change, not let that linger for a significant period.
1: And uh, with that, let me see how much time we got left. We got another time for another email Yeah, You know what, I'll squeeze Lou in here really quickly. He says, I got an argument with my team leader where I got very frustrated. At one point, I grabbed my briefcase, told him I quit, walked out. I was speaking out of frustration. I didn't really mean it. Is there something I can do?
0: Right. and That happens more often than than (laughs) I think for sure. I mean, people get frustrated at work and walk out. Now, what's very important for Lou to do, if he doesn't actually want to quit his job, is to communicate as quickly as possible that he didn't intend to quit, it was made in the heat of the moment, it wasn't something he was serious about, it was just an act of frustration, and he he intends to come back to work. But it's vital that Lou does that as quickly as possible, because as more and more time goes by, if he doesn't say anything, then the employer is more likely going to be able to say, well, we've accepted his resignation, we didn't hear from him for two or three days. But if he comes back right away, says it was in the heat of the moment, the employer hasn't changed what they're doing because of it, and he should get his drawback. And if he doesn't, then that could be treated like a termination instead of a resignation. And Luke could get his severance.
1: And with that, we are complete for Tuesday. Nicely done, sir. Andrew Goldberg is reachable now anytime. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always, always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca for more information and to grab hold of that severance calculator as well. The Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the
0: guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment.